Welcome to another episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. I'm your host, Sarah Jenner, and today we'll be chatting with Nina Purewall. Nina is the founder of Pure Minds, an organization that offers individual, group, and corporate programs to help individuals learn how to implement mindfulness in everyday life. Nina is also the co-author of Let That Shit Go. In this amazing read, Nina and Kate share the wisdoms they've gained through decades of practicing and teaching others to find happiness and peace of mind no matter how busy they are, Um, which I can completely relate to in this busy, busy world we have. So Nina, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And I'm so- Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's such a pleasure. And I'm so excited to hear- Um, more of your wisdom and your experiences. So first off, I just want to ask you, what kind of leadership roles have you found yourself in, whether through your career, through your personal life, etc.? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So in my career, I worked within the corporate corporate sector for quite some time, over a decade, um, holding different roles in sales and marketing. Um, And within those roles, I was managing everywhere from a team of two to a team of eight. So um, I absolutely loved being a leader, even with all its challenges. I think um, you have the ability to empower people and, you know, the ability to give them a sense of what their gifts are. So I thought it was a really great opportunity for me to lead. Um, I also find that, you know, one area that I led in is Uh, you know, without the formal title of being a leader is just, I always try to follow my passion. So Mm -hmm. in all of my roles, um, I would, I would always get put on certain task forces, like to launch things that were aligned with the company's corporate social responsibility. Um, I was always one of those people at work that had positive quotes all over my desk. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So in that sense, you know, definitely led there. And then now, you know, further on into my career, as I've launched Pure Minds, definitely it's about um, leading through mindfulness and going into these companies or, you know, these these public places and, and talking about how you can um, improve your leadership skills through mindfulness and not even your leadership skills, but who you are in the person. So that's something I've always um, kind of saw myself leading in and, and, and also, you know, aligning my, my head and heart. So I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. And I hope that that is an example for people that they can follow their passion and still find um, a career out of it. Absolutely. And leading into the next question, it sounds like you're already um, very aware of what it means to be a noble leader. Just you talking about um, helping people understand the gifts they have and creating positivity within the work environment and helping people to really follow their passions. But what what does being a noble leader mean to you if we dig a little deeper? Yeah, that's a great question. I had to think about this one quite a bit. But at the core of it, I think being a noble leader really means to just honor your value system mm-hmm. and what's important to you, um, even at the expense of, you know, other people's opinions. And, you know, if even if it goes against um, those that work around you, what's important to you? And not just, you know, obviously it's profit, you know, top line, bottom line, and all those financial driven things, um, you know, to drive a company, to drive a business, but who you are at the core, you know, and I really tried to lead with the principle of, um, you know, my team was like my family, I would treat them like, you know, if these guys were my kids, or my, 
you know, siblings or really good friends, like how would I treat them? So I think being a noble leader at the core of it is, you know, honoring yourself and the people around you and always doing the right thing and also making sure that your team is top priority. You know, I always had this debate with other leaders that I worked with of, you know, is the priority the PNL or is the priority the team? And yes, they kind of go hand in hand, but my whole, my whole, um, vision was always you're you're nothing without your team if you don't have a good solid team you're not going to be able to perform as well as you possibly could or as your potential um could take you so you know i think also being a noble leader is to make sure that your team is a top priority and everyone's needs are being met um the one last thing i would add is um someone said something to me once in you know when i was leading a team of eight And it really, it made a lot of sense to me. And it's something, you know, I look in when I, you know, talk to other leaders. But um, one of the things he said to me was, you know, one thing that you've nailed down is being confident, but having humility. Mm -hmm. And I never kind of saw myself that way. But um, the more I thought about it, it was like, yeah, as a leader, you should be okay hiring people smarter than you. (laughs) You should be okay when, you know, your boss in in a group, in, a, in front of people says, hey, you know, I think you did this the wrong way. You should look at it this way and, and take the ego out of it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's true. Have the confidence to lead, but also take a step back and know that, you know, you're not perfect. You're not always going to get everything right, you know, and it's not about shaming people. It's just about what's right for the business. So when you're doing something that's a little off track and someone corrects you, own up to it and, and you know, make that shift. I love what you just said, that idea of being confident, but also having humility and being humble and that just take the ego out of it, that you don't always have to be the expert in the room. Because I think you're absolutely right that when you have that kind of fear in the back of your mind of, oh my gosh, what if I look like I'm not as smart as other people in here? That's all you think about in a meeting rather than thinking like, okay, what can I learn from those around me in this meeting? Like what's one thing I'm going to walk away with that I didn't know before or that I'm going to try that I hadn't considered? And that can be such a huge growth opportunity as leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you take the ego out of it and you make it about the business, that's where you, that's how you can get to that place, mm-hmm. you know, that it's not your right or wrong. It's, you know, even Kate, my co-author and I, we have conversations and debates all the time, but at the end of the day, it's never about if she's right or if I'm right or she's wrong, but it's what's best for our business, you know, and that just, that makes all the difference because it just takes so much emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a skill that's so applicable outside of business too, right? Especially in this political environmental climate we're going through right now the idea of just being open to hearing other people's opinions that you don't have to think that I'm right they're wrong and someone else doesn't have to make you feel like you're wrong but just being able to hear them and and being open to learning new things I think um could make us all more emotionally intelligent humans (laughs) Absolutely. 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to get into a tougher question. What's mm-hmm. the biggest challenge you faced as a leader and how did you overcome it? Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, I would say the biggest challenge I faced as a leader, I was very people focused. So mm-hmm. that's where my answers are going to come from that place. But um, 
The biggest challenge is probably being in conflict with what I felt was right for my team Mm -hmm. and what my boss wanted me to do. That's such a hard spot (laughs) to be in. (laughs) That's probably, you know, the biggest challenges I would have ongoing where I felt, you know, someone needed a promotion and, you know, my boss was saying no, or, you know, someone wanted to take a deck and revise it this way that I, and I really believed in that, but my boss would say no. So that's probably the, the, biggest challenge as a leader is when you're kind of caught between your your manager and your team and in terms of how to overcome it it's kind of a case-by-case thing but I think the most important thing is honest conversations Mm -hmm. having really honest conversations with my boss about hey look this is nothing against you know your vision or you know the 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 standard company deck or this or that, this is about what's right for the clients or what's right for our consumers. Um, And really explaining to, you know, my boss where we're coming from, but then also having honest conversations with my team Mm -hmm. about, you know, okay, this is company policy and, you know, having to make that decision of like, how far do I push for on either side and then kind of coming to a conclusion myself and then, explaining to either side this is why we're moving forward with this this is why we can't move forward with this so I think the honest conversations are good because then that that um you know that doesn't feed into the politics that doesn't feed into again the ego that doesn't feed into what's right and wrong for individuals it's about you know going back to what's right for the business so I think honest conversations are really important and that's kind of how I've pushed to overcome you know, these situations where you get everyone to a point of understanding versus like a lot of backdoor conversations and closed door conversations. It's like, guys, here's where we are as a team. You have to remember at the end of the day, we're all one company. We're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're all trying to grow revenue and profit. So the more we can be open and honest with each other, the the smoother communication is going to be and the less offended people are going to be. Yeah. And I think that kind of transparency too also create such trust between your team and yourself and your boss and yourself that like you said they don't feel like oh these other conversations are happening where maybe Nina as my as her boss maybe she's like bad-mouthing me to her staff and you know like I'm the common enemy now and that it'll start being focused on that negativity whereas it sounds like your honest approach with individuals really was just like, hey, these are my cards. I'm laying them out for you. And so let's have a conversation about it rather than people constantly feeling like, what is she not sharing with me? Exactly, exactly. And I love the word you use, transparency. We talk in the book too about mindful negotiation and it's all about showing your cards Mm -hmm. you know it's not about you know come with your you know your 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 cards hold held close to you and poker face and it's like hey this is the scenario this is what we believe this is what the client wants this is what my team wants and then you know talking it out and then back to the team say you know what we just can't do this because optics or because you know just being honest back and I think that's that's a really powerful thing because you're right. That's exactly what it cultivates. It cultivates trust, like top to, you know, top to, to bottom. And how did you build that relationship with your boss where you felt comfortable kind of pushing back sometimes? Because I think that's something that many individuals struggle with is that right. they don't want to step on any toes. They don't want to cross yes. a line. But I think there's a way that you can really have those positive um, solution focused conversations with with your direct um, your direct supervisor or manager. 
Yeah, I think I came in with a very no bullshit approach. Mm -hmm. Like I am who I am, you know, take it or leave it. And I'm always going to be honest with you. There was a lot of respect. I always had a ton of respect for not just my manager, but my peers and even my team. So there was never any, you know, bowed mouthing or like talking behind back. Obviously you have frustrations and stuff you need to let out. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was never any um, mistrust. And so I think when I spoke and I didn't agree with my manager, he knew I was coming from a place of not attacking him. It was coming from a place of what was right. Um, If I can just get personal for a second too, um, the time where I had, you know, I was leading that team of eight, my mom was also very ill. She was terminally ill. Mm -hmm. And I think something about that just shifted things for me, um, shifted my perspective. And suddenly it became about, you know, saying what's right and saying what's important and not worrying about what people are going to think of me or stepping on toes or, you know, upsetting my manager. It's like, Hey, this is what I feel is right. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it because I did a lot of that early in my career. I was very self-conscious. I was very in my own head. I was the opposite of mindfulness. I would come home. I would bring work home with me. I would check my email all the time. I was always worried about how I was perceived and always making sure I pleased everyone. And that didn't serve me well at all. So, um, you know, as I advanced in my career, I was like, look, you know, you got to be honest, you got to be respectful. And um, I think that was that was how I built those relationships was just honesty, but also no bullshit. Um, So my bosses always knew I was coming from a place of um, genuity versus like trying to attack or was my, my ego overbears kind of thing. And I think mm-hmm. if you come, come to, if you come at it with that, then there's nothing to worry about. Cause you're just, you're just speaking what's, what's right for the business. Yeah. And I think you also freed yourself from having to tiptoe around everything, right? Which is, is exhausting all the it's time. Exhausting. Yeah, just it's tr- exhausting. Trying to make sure everyone is pleased and feeling like they're doing everything right. And instead, it's by just having these honest and like you said, no bullshit conversations, um, you could probably relieve so much of that constant anxiety and overwhelm about oh god like what if I say the wrong thing am I gonna get fired am I gonna be demoted um right but you gave you gave yourself and your boss and your team that opportunity to really have I think a constructive working relationship where you could really build and grow together rather than um I think sometimes when we're afraid to say what we think could make something greater and better we really stunt the growth opportunity there. Exactly, exactly. And that's, and so, and it, it was nerve wracking. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I could do it with full confidence. It was, it was nerve wracking sometimes. And before going into meetings, global meetings, or, you know, exact meetings, I would always tell myself, this comment or this issue isn't about you. Mm-hmm. This isn't about you. <laughs> you know, and some something about saying that to myself was like, this is about what's best for the big picture Um, you're not saying this to to make your voice known or to make your ego bigger you're saying this because what this is what you think is best so it kind of just takes the nervousness away you know out of the equation because you just focus on you know um, what's right yeah and taking the personal piece out of it too right because I think we're so afraid of being um, embarrassed or shamed or blamed in a group setting and that idea of like this is not me as a person I'm not being criticized for who I am 
um, I'm simply going about what's best for our business and kind of creating that divide, I guess, um, exactly. can make you feel a little safer. Yeah. Going into that discussion. Um, I also wanted to ask you what's been the hardest lesson you've learned as a leader and how did it make you a better leader? The hardest lesson I have learned is, and this is personally that trickled into professionally, is that you can't please everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, early on in my career, um, you know, I used to be asked to put on global projects because I could, I would never say no to anyone. I would, <laughs> like, you know, jump through hoops to like make sure everyone was happy. And it really, really stressed me out if yeah. I had to say no to someone. Like I would take that home with me. I wouldn't be able to sleep, um, you know, even in my personal life. And I, I realized I got to a point where I was doing it to the detriment of my own happiness um, at work, to the detriment of my own integrity. Um, and so that had to stop. And so being okay with the fact that you're going to make decisions and some people won't be happy with you um, is probably the biggest thing I, I learned as a leader. Um, also, second is that you will fail. Yeah, <laughs> You will fail, you know, and I would always, um, up until, you know, I'd say the last five years, I'd always take it very personally if something didn't go well, and I would beat myself up over it. And you know, I have to also put things in context and to say, look, some of these things are way bigger than me. You might have pushed this project for two years and then the global team is like, sorry, not that we can't go forward because it's, you know, operations, because it's legal. Um, and so when things fail, definitely take ownership if, you know, you were part of the failure and, and, and reflect on that. But um, not everything you do is going to is going to be this huge massive success so that was another lesson I learned and and that's okay and you know in my last role the global CEO was really great at being you know when, when something didn't go through when we didn't land a big client he would always say say levy you know you tried your best you guys push forward good for you and and so I kind of took a page out of, of out of his book and said you know what yeah when things don't go right that's part of mindfulness too right it's like there's so many things that are out of control as long as you tried your best um my mom used to say do your best and leave the rest as long as you tried <laughs> you know so you have nothing to feel bad about any like that everything else that happened was out of your control so you know, not pleasing everyone is one thing. And then, you know, knowing that you, you will fail from time to time and that's mm. okay. And embracing that failure in moments embracing. too, right? Yeah. Cause then I feel like you build up that confidence to keep taking the leaps, take like going through when something feels scary and going, you know what, it feels scary now, but this could really be something amazing in the future. And with your mind frame too, that if it's not, oh, well, say la vie, that at least I did my, like, I did my best and I'll leave the rest. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's a really powerful thing because we beat ourselves up a lot. I think a lot of our stress comes from, you know, mental anxiety, um, you know, anxiety about how the future is going to go or, um, you know, worried or, or regretful about how the past went. And I wish this project went this way and this should have happened this way. And I, you know, so-and-so should have talked to so-and-so. And And it's like, you can't go back and change the past. Mm -hmm. You can't control every little thing of the future. Sure. You got to plan for the future. You have to be strategic. You have to think about the next, you know, two, five, 10 years out, but um, there's going to be a lot of things that happen along that way that are unanticipated and unplanned too. So it's kind of also just 
embracing embracing the moment as it is and accepting it. Yeah, and I think um, just speaking to what you said about that idea of getting into that negativity and thinking about the past and having regrets, I think that can lead to such a negative whirlwind that then we start to question our worthiness and that idea of like, am I, why am I here? Like, how did I get 100%. here? Yeah, and like the imposter syndrome of like, who did I fool in order to make it this far? Um, right. Where I think what you're saying, that idea of just embrace it and keep moving forward is like, yes, you are worthy to be there and it's okay to not succeed in everything that you do. Um, but to also take moments to reflect on the amazing accomplishments you've done. I think sometimes we focus way yes. too much on our failures and not yes. enough on, hey, what are some great things I've done this quarter or this month or this year? Yes, we're always on to the next thing. So yes. you're right, taking that moment to just say, oh, a year ago, I was, you know, really pushing hard and really thriving in this project. And I couldn't wait for it to launch. And now it's launched, but I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so that's another thing with my team that I really in my last role, um, really enforced is celebrating, guys, we just landed this huge client, like, let's, let's all go for a beer, or let's all mm-hmm. celebrate this. And let's pause and, you know, be be really grateful for that whole process. Um, because yeah, I think it's really, really easy to just forget and, and go on to the next thing. And two, you know, going back to what you were thinking about, or what you were talking about, um, you'll find that you're a lot more efficient if you get out of your own head. I used to have this big sticky and capital letters and my, you know, my desk in my last role that said, get yourself out of the way. Um, and I realized without thinking about all that, you know, the anxiety of the future and the regrets of the past and da, 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 I was way more efficient as an employee to the company because I wasn't wasting time, um, thinking all these thoughts that are just for naught. um, in the book, we, we call them, you know, dead thoughts when there, there are thoughts that you, of things that you can't control. They're already the past or they're about the future and you don't know how it's going to go. They're dead thoughts. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. So in the last five years, I've really adopted this whole be aware of when your mind's going there and stop and just go back to what you're doing because it's just, I found myself way more efficient in my later years um, just, just by getting out of my own head. And I love that term, dead thoughts, so that in the moment you can kind of just stop that um, that mental decline, I guess, with when you find yourself in that whirlwind, that downward spiral of, oh my God, this could happen and this could happen and causing that anxiety and just taking a second and thinking, is this a dead thought? And then having that moment of self-reflection and moving on from it. um, Letting it go. Yeah, letting it go. I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. Um, I also really want to ask you, so people-pleasing. I mean, I think it's something that many of us suffer from. Oh, Um, yes. And so going through a time where obviously you were that yes person in the organization, Mm -hmm. how did you... How did you change into the individual who occasionally had to say you just know? Um, like, how did you handle approaching your leaders and saying, you know what, this is something I can't do right now? Was it just a quick kind of cold turkey you started or was there a conversation that happened or did you slowly just start um, letting them know that, OK, there are just some things that I can't do right now and these are some of the boundaries I have? Yeah, it, for me, it was a 
very quick epiphany. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I know that Oprah calls it the disease to please, right? (laughs) So I I was, you know, big time personally and professionally. And um, so my husband and I took a year off in 2010 and went to California and did a one-year course on mindfulness and meditation and classical, um, like spiritual philosophy. And um, we were walking and it was, it was in the redwood forest and we were walking in the redwoods one day and, you know, I was going on about somebody I was trying to please and I don't know why they don't like me. And I've tried to do this and I've tried to do that. And he just looked at me, you know, and I talk about this experience in the book. He looked at me and he goes, Nina, someone shot Gandhi. And I was <laughs> like, oh, what? I was like, are you even listening to what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> um, you know, thinking he's thought in his own you know lost in his own thought yes. and he looked at me again you know pretty firmly in the eye and he's like somebody shot Gandhi he's like look at the type of leader world leader he was he fought for world peace through you know the most noble of ways through nonviolence, and um you know people are still you know value him and um you know quote him and he's he's you know historically known as you know one of the best leaders of of you know the entire globe and he goes somebody hated him enough to shoot him so someone didn't agree with what he did you know and he goes no matter what you do there are going to be people that don't like you and don't like your decisions and you have to be okay with that as long as it's important to you and you feel like you're following your right path you have to let go of all the people who aren't gonna agree with you um and there was something about that moment that just kind of shifted me forever to say, yeah, I can't possibly please everyone. This Mm -hmm. is not something that is, is feasible because we all come from different backgrounds. We all come with different opinions. We all come from different, with different conditioning. We all come with different goals. And so there are going to be people around you that aren't a fan of, you know, how you want to move forward. And so I think the biggest thing is, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, is speak your truth, even if it makes your voice shake. Mm. Um, It's not always comfortable to go to your boss and say, look, uh, this is the way I see it. Um, But again, I think if you take the ego out of it and know that they're coming at it from their opinion, and they have every right to have that opinion. It's not about, you know, right or wrong. It's about everybody's difference, uh, differences of, you know, personalities and opinions and goals. And so, again, if you come at it by from a place of this is what I feel is right for the business, for the team, for the PNL, for me, and um, then you can't really, again, take it personally. And, and, and if they take it personally, that's kind of not on you, you know, and that's another thing I had to get rid of is like, if someone is pissed off with me, because what I've said, hey, like, I'm sorry, but I'm not saying this from a place of ego, because I have to be right. I'm saying this because what I it's what feels right for the big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it was kind of that that year in California that, you know, a lot of reflection around that. And then coming back and just, um, just again, being that, that, that mix between having humility and confidence and, and having that confidence to also say like, no, this is not right for the team. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're in positions as employees where your leader is like, well, too bad, you got to do it. 
Um, and, you know, sometimes you do have to suck it up. There's so many variables at play and it's kind of a case by case situation. But the most important thing is you're always speaking your truth and, you know, no one can then take that away from you. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. And as you were saying it, speak your truth, it just felt like, oh, like how if you are able to do that every day in each conversation, you can just stand tall and you can come home at the end of the day and look at yourself in the mirror and know, okay, I'm following what I believe is right. Um, And that you don't have the questioning feeling of like, am I compromising who I am? And what I believe. And I love that idea of speaking your truth. Right. Because when your head and heart, you know, when you're saying yes, 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 all the time, your head and heart are not aligned. That's when you go Mm -hmm. home and you're like, I just said yes to coaching that volleyball team. I just said yes to that added project. I just said yes. I knew I shouldn't have said no to my boss about that employee we're trying to deal with you know and you just go home and you're like I wish I wish I should have said this I should have said that and again it's again that waste of energy from not speaking your truth and not you know being aligned and having that personal integrity and so you know I did it for many years and I I suffered I suffered because of it emotionally um and so now it's all about being firm. I try anyway at every moment. I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and there's times where I still try to say yes <laughs> um, when I know I shouldn't. But, um, you know, I try to work on, you know, just doing doing what's right for the big picture and then, you know, seeing seeing where, where things take you from there. Oh, Nina, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you today and thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your experience with myself and our listeners. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on this podcast and thank you for being such an advocate for noble leaders and uh, mindfulness as well. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of noble leaders having no bold conversations. 